Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast, where we take a look at everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty in the field of astronomy. Uh, last week, we had Phil Plate on, which was awesome to get to sit and talk to him. Uh, so big thanks for him hanging out with us. If you want to go check that episode out, go on to the YouTube channel, find it, and it's there. All right, so um, first things first, I hope you guys all like the new What's Up webcast logo. Um, there it is right up at the top there. Uh, that will be branding all of our uh, What's Up webcast um, moving forward. Um, so that'll be kind of cool. Uh, big thanks to Jeff for whipping that up. So maybe we'll get some shirts made and stuff like that. Uh, let me get some stuff up here. I forgot to get rolling. Uh, sorry guys. Uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, that's our new logo there. Kind of cool. We have a bunch of stuff to actually announce today while we're actually doing, uh, the, uh, what's up webcast for the month. Uh, what's up in the month right now. So, um, there's just a couple pages, uh, I meant to pull up so we can get today ready to go. Okay, there we go. Perfect. Um, make sure, let me get rid of, sorry, I had some windows open that don't need to be opened. And I've got what I need open right here. Boop, there we go. I'm all organized now. All right, so if you like what you see here on the What's Up webcast, that's up me typing around. Um, go ahead and subscribe, leave a like on a video if you like what you see here. It lets us know we're doing a good job. Um, if you have an idea for a future What's Up webcast episode, go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Title it What's Up. I would let you know that just because you've sent in an idea doesn't mean you're going to see it the next week. Uh, we do schedule these several months in advance. So if you have an idea and you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. It will probably get into the queue at some point. It just takes time to do all of that. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what's going on there. So, again, if you like what you see here, please subscribe. All of the videos are saved right here, so be cool with that. Um, again, you can email us any questions you have about the What's Up webcast at info at skywatcherusa.com. Um, if you want to keep up with what's going on at Skywatcher, head over to skywatcherusa.com. Up at the top, there's a big fancy button that says subscribe and save. You can log into, or log into, you can sign up for our email blast. It lets you know about new product, what's the webcast episode for the month, as well as our monthly e-blast that we send out. Um, so you can head over there to our website and subscribe if you want to get on board with all of that content. Now, a couple things. There's a handful of things that we're going to be talking about today other than just what's up for the month. Uh, the first things first is uh, the Star Adventure GTI. A lot of people are asking where they are. Um, just to let you know, they are here. They are in the U.S., in the warehouse. The first shipments usually take a while to get through our QA department because it's the first shipment. We want to make sure everything's good on it. Um, the ones that did show up did not arrive labeled correctly with certain stickers and stuff that are needed to sell in the U.S., so we had to go back and rework some of that. Um, so we are working on it, and hopefully in the next uh, week or two, they will finally be on their way to all of you who have them on pre-order. Um, we also have a big old shipment of them on the way, or should be on the way here shortly, um, that we'll probably see in the next six weeks, six to eight weeks-ish. 
Um, so if you don't get a part of the, the first initial shipment, there are a lot more that should be on the way here to the US and Canada. Um, so just letting you know if you're waiting, the wait shouldn't be much longer if you've had one from the early pre-orders. Um, sorry for the delay, but just letting you guys know. Next, a uh, new product dropped last Friday. Uh, we didn't really talk about it. We are going to do an episode on it here in the near future. I don't know when it is, but I do believe it's slated. But that is the Virtuoso GTI. Um, these are our brand new little tabletop dobs. Um, you might notice they're very similar to our Heritage uh, telescopes, the 130 and the 150, and that's because they're the same tube. Um, except what we did here is we actually built a new base. Um, it's got some motors in it, which makes it go to, has Wi-Fi built into it. So um, it's basically a little go-to tabletop Dobsonian. So let me actually bring up the webpage here. If you want to go check it out, you can head over to skywatcherusa.com, go over to the Virtuoso GTI, and there they are. So for 435 bucks at the recording of this episode, uh, you have the 130 F5 uh, collapsible tabletop virtuoso and then you have the uh, 150p for 470 at the time of this recording these are true newtonians they're completely collimatable they have parabolic mirrors on the primaries 94 percent reflectivity coatings they're full go-to wi-fi built in um, so for under 500 bucks you have a real telescope these are not toys these are legit telescopes um, and they are shipping um, so you can go to any dealers uh, right now, they are in stock um, for the first shipment. You, I'm not sure if dealers have blown through them initially, but um, anyway, uh, that's the Virtuoso, uh, Virtuoso GTI series um, that's starting to ship here in the U.S. and Canada. So that's going to be fun as well. Um, we will be doing a dedicated episode on them here in the near future. So we'll talk about all the fun specs and yeah. We'll go into details um, with that as well. Uh, lastly, before we jump into what's up for the month, I'd like to introduce you to Sol uh, or the Solar Observing Lab. Uh, this is a special event that I've been working on along with uh, the Astronomy Association of Arizona and the uh, Challenger Space Center of Arizona. Um, it's taken a few months to kind of get the details put into gear, um, but now I can finally tell you about it. Um, I will bring this up as we get closer, but Sol is basically a hands-on interactive astronomy event. Uh, it's going to take place here in Phoenix at the Challenger Space Center in North Phoenix um, on October 22nd of this year. Uh, it's a Saturday. And uh, basically the whole point of this is to get as much solar equipment it's basically a solar star party is what we're doing so we're going to get a big spread of all kinds of equipment out there i'm hoping to have some vendors out there we are discussing with some of the major solar filter manufacturers to hopefully have some of them there on site um, to show off their equipment but it's basically a great way for you to come out learn everything from eclipse glasses all the way up to the crazy high-end day star filters um, and everything in between so you can figure out what's the best filter for you. Maybe you've been thinking about something to get with the eclipses 2023 and 2024 right around the corner. So we're doing this a year out. You can come out. You can observe what different types of filters. We're going to do some presentations inside on how to prepare for a, an eclipse, how to shoot an eclipse. Uh, we're going to do a special 30-minute like talk workshop for educators um, on how to safely observe an eclipse with students 
Um, so this is at the Challenger Space Center. It's $10 for adults, $8 for kids. Um, all the funds go to the Challenger Center. It's not, the event itself is actually free. Um, if you want to learn more about it, all the details are at focusastro.org slash soul. Uh, you can go up to the Focus website. There it is right up top there um, to check that out. All the details are in there. Um, we do have PDF links about the documents um, for that. Uh, if you want to know more about like all the details, there's a PDF of the schedule and what's going on. Um, there's a price breakdown. You can actually pre-purchase tickets through Challenger Space Center um, with the red link there. And if you want to pre-register for some of the talks, um, there is a registration uh, for the talks. And then as we uh, get vendors locked in, you can actually check back on that page and learn about that. So we just introduced this yesterday. Um, so just keep coming back, checking out what's going on. We will talk about it as we get a little bit closer and hopefully we'll see some of you out there uh, to come check it out. So uh, that's taking place again on Saturday, October 22nd um, in Northern Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, we will uh, be happy to um, definitely see you guys there. So cool. That's what's going on. All right, let's get started. So uh, we're going to jump into the brightest thing in the nighttime sky. And of course, that is the moon. So the new moon for this month is August 27th. Um, so that's going to mean your dark sky weekend is actually going to be the 27th and 28th. Um, so that's coming up uh, at the end of the month is when you're basically going to be doing some dark sky observing. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's see. Full moon. Full moon is August 11th. Um, and this month, it's actually the sturgeon moon. Um, sturgeon, in other words, big fish. They're generally found in the Great Lake regions, at least here in the U.S. Um, and a lot of times that is actually uh, when they were being caught. And that's where the name of the moon got its name. Uh, there's a quick question. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, there's a couple. There's a question here about the soul event. If you hold another one, could you make it later in the year uh, so Canadian snowbirds can attend? Um... That is a good idea. The reason it's in October is because the 2023 annular eclipse is in October of 2023. Uh, so we wanted to do at least one year ahead of the eclipse. Um, so that's kind of the plan at this point. This is what I'm hoping is going to be a big event. It's taken a lot to organize it. So uh, I don't know if we'll end up doing another one. Um, it'd be kind of cool to do something similar. Um, but right now there's only plans to do one of the soul events. Um, and it's taken quite a bit of time to get this one organized. So, but there's always room to, to check out different things. But anyway, that's when it's happening. And at the moment, there's no plans to add a second one because I'm hoping this will be a rather large event. So that answers that question about the soul event. If you have more questions, I'll get to that at the end of the uh, presentation today. Uh, planets. Uh, we do have planets coming up. Um, the one that's visible right now as the sun goes down, um, actually just after it gets dark, is we do have Saturn finally rising in the uh, east. It's becoming a pretty easy target, um, usually around 9 o'clock. 
And as it progresses to get a little bit later, we do end up getting Jupiter um, as well. So those are going to be your two main planets that are coming up as we actually enter into the fall or late summer into the fall. Um, we will be getting some of those planets back. We're going to have some pretty cool uh, collection of planets by the end of the year. Um, but we are just starting to get back into the 2022 uh, planetary season. Uh, we will have Mars this year, which is going to be cool. Um, but Saturn is the first one to grace the nighttime sky right now, which is perfect because Saturn is probably one of the best plants to go out and see because you can see the rings and it's fun to show people that. Um, and also pay attention to the, the moons that are actually around Saturn. You can see all kinds of moons around there um, as well. Uh, and like I said, Jupiter is following not too much later. Um, usually about 10 to 11 o'clock, Jupiter is starting to rise in the east. Um, it is best visible after midnight right now. Uh, where Saturn is kind of before midnight. But um, we are getting to uh, Saturn opposition too um, with that. So Saturn's going to be well-placed uh, this year, and it, it should be pretty cool. And then obviously Jupiter following after that. Um, if you just got a telescope this year, Jupiter is really cool to actually go out and observe because the Galilean moons, Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto, change all the time. It's a fun little observing project. You could go out with your kids or just do it yourself. I've seen people do kind of what Galileo did where they'll go out each night and they'll record where the moons are or sketch it. And then as it progresses, you can actually see how the moon positions change from night after night. So that's kind of a fun thing you can do with a very basic telescope. You don't need anything fancy uh, to do that. If you do have a larger telescope, you could also start to maybe sketch or document the cloud bands and maybe the red spot that's on the planet itself. Uh, but the moons are relatively easy to see. And that's something you could actually do with a, a very modest little telescope um, from from that point. So that's kind of a cool one to do. So, uh, so those are the planets right now. Now the sun has been going nuts. Um, we had what I believe was a very large prominence yesterday. Um, if you have a hydrogen alpha telescope, um, you can actually just go up. Let me pull. This is one of the pages I was trying to pull up earlier. Um, the gong hydrogen alpha page. Uh, now, if you have an H alpha solar filter, not an imaging filter, but a solar filter, um, you can go out and start observing the sun right now. There's all kinds of nice detail. We do have some sunspots, some filaments. There's not any major prominences right now. There's a speck of them. Not as much as there was yesterday. It was a very massive prominence yesterday, but you are gonna need some kind of hydrogen alpha solar filter. And I would state up front that please make sure you're using the appropriate equipment before observing the sun. Um, we do have episodes here at the What's Up webcast where we have covered safe solar observing. And again, if you don't know how to do it, you should come out to the Sol event on October 22nd and actually learn how to do it correctly. Um, but if you have a hydrogen alpha telescope like a Lunt or a Daystar or something like that, um, go out and check it out. Um, there's always something cool going up on the sun, but if you want to know more about what's happening right now, uh, go to Google and type in gong, G O N G H alpha, and it'll take you to this page right here. And it's updated by observatories all over the world, you know, almost every few minutes and really gives you some cool detail to actually go and see. So, um, that is, uh, what's going up on the sun. The sun is also a fun target. Like I said, um, to sketch or image or whatever you want to do because it's so dynamic it changes all the time um, unlike deep sky targets there's not a lot of change to any of those 
where the sun is constantly changing all the time. So it's very dynamic. It's a fun one to go out and do. and just adds uh, something to your uh, capabilities if you're doing amateur astronomy. Um, meteor showers. It is August, um, which means we're kind of in the holy grail of all the meteor showers, and that's the Perseid meteor shower. Um, this is probably the largest meteor shower of the year. It's always in August. Um, this year, however, it lands on August 13th, which means we have a majorly bright moon to contend with um, because full moon is going to be right around there as well. So as we get later into the evening after midnight, um, that's something that you're going to need. You are going to want darker skies, but unfortunately the moon is going to be rising as the peak is occurring. So this year it's not really well placed as far as the um, moon phases go, unfortunately. But that's okay. Um, it's still a really cool event to go out and see. And I'm sure you will be able to catch some pretty good ones in the days leading up and the days following the peak. Um, hopefully some of them are bright. I'm sure we're going to get some cool stuff out of it. It's just not ideally uh, placed this year because of that bright moon. So another thing to talk about or go out and check out. Comets. Uh, there have been some comets that have been visible lately. Um, I'm not, I haven't been out imaging with them recently, but the way I like to do comets is go to cometchasing.skyhound.com. Um, that is something to go out and check out. Um, it lists all the major comets that are visible at the moment. So that's something to uh, take a look at. But right now, it breaks it down into the brightest one. Right now, we have C2017 K2 Pan Stars, um, which is actually visible right now. Um, you probably need a telescope. It's 8.3 magnitude, so it is a telescopic comet. At that point, I've seen some pretty cool images of that comet as well, so you can go out and check it out. Um, and then there's a handful of other ones here. It looks like they get relatively faint pretty quickly. This 73P is about 12th magnitude. It's in Virgo. Um, it's not visible. That one's not really great on the northern hemisphere. Um, but, yeah, these other ones get down to smaller sizes. Um, so it looks like the big one right now, at least for the northern hemisphere, is C2017 K2 pan stars. Um so that's always something to check um, check out and do there as well. So uh, go out, take a look at the comet, um, give it a go. It is a binocular object, especially if you're in dark skies. It's in Ophiuchus, so that's nice and high and easy to get. Um, so go check that, uh, check that out if you're going to be heading to some dark skies or you're imaging. Maybe it's a fun little target um, for you to go out and check out. Kind of blowing through all oh, no the times, okay. Um, deep sky targets. Now, deep sky targets, we're in the middle of summer, and it's primarily nebula season. There's some major nebulas out there. The first one is NGC 7000. That's the North American nebula, which sits really high overhead in Cygnus. Um, it's a massive chunk of sky. Um, and with that, if you're going to try to observe it, you're going to either need a large telescope that's got some fairly good light gathering power, or um, a wide field telescope to be able to see all of it. Um, so but this is a fun one to go after right now. Um, if you are doing it visually, it is going to be a dark sky target, of course. Um, it really works in any telescope. 
Um, I've seen it in small as a three inch telescope with a really wide field of view um, or a larger aperture Dobsonian can actually do pretty well on it. Um, but you usually are only doing it in sections. Um, I would recommend if you're going after this object visually, you're probably gonna want either like a UHC filter or an oxygen three filter would be ideal to go out and hunt this one down. Um, imaging, however, it is a fairly easy object to do, especially if you have like a fast little telescope or a wide field refractor. It's a fantastic object to go after. It's not too difficult to do in town. Obviously dark skies are gonna be better, but it's an excellent narrow band target. So if you have a one shot color in one of these multi band narrow band filters, um, easy pickings for you there. Um, if you're trying to do something a little bit more exotic like the Hubble palette, you've got a monochrome uh, camera, you know, the HA03S2 um, palette, um, go after it because it's very dynamic in all three of those wavelengths and you can do some pretty cool work with it. There's some amazing images out there of the North American, but it's a great target to go after right now because it's easy, it's a big chunk of sky, and it really doesn't need any large telescope to actually pursue photographically. It's something you could actually easily do from your backyard with a narrow band filter, just like your image is seeing here. That was shot from my backyard a little while ago, and just a hydrogen alpha filter and a monochrome camera, and it works really well. So easy, said, and done all together there. So. Uh, that's NGC 7000, the North American Nebula. Um, so that's a fun one to go um, check out and play around with. Next one is M16, the Eagle Nebula. This is in Serpens, about 7,000 light years away. This one's a little tricky to do visually. Um, now this is, M16 is basically the Pillars of Creation, the uh, Hubble shot that is known really well. Um, However, the eagle itself, right in the center, is actually really difficult to see visually, even in a large aperture telescope. Um, I would recommend like a UHC or O3 filter if you can, but even then it's, it's not super contrasty. You'll, you'll definitely get some nebulosity and you'll definitely get the cluster that resides inside of it, but to get the real structural detail, it's more of an imaging setup or a night vision setup, which we're going to do an episode on night vision astronomy here in the near future. Um, I think that's next month, in the next couple months is when we're going to be doing night vision um, astronomy, which is something I've been getting into, and it's awesome. Um, M16 is a fantastic target for that. But visually, this is more of a dark sky object. Um, I would recommend getting the largest aperture you could to really get any detail out of it and using the O3 or the UHC filters for visual work. Now in town, it's a very easy object to go after. Um, it's very similar to the North American Nebula where you could basically just do narrow band on it. Um, dark skies do help if you do want to do one shot color, but this is a Hubble palette image um, that you're seeing right here um, with the HA03 and S2 filters. Um, and it's an easy target to go after, um, especially right now. It's it's pretty good for the Northern Hemisphere. It's nice and high at the moment, um, and you can get some pretty good detail on it um, in a short amount of time, but it's a very forgiving target when it comes to narrow band imaging. So that is M16, uh, the Eagle Nebula, um, and the Pillars of Creation in there. So go wild with that one. Try it. Um, looks good in visible light, but it also does really nice in narrow band imaging. Now, 
M57. It's kind of a staple this time of year. The Ring Nebula. It's up in Lyra the Harp, which is it's really high right now. Um, not too far um, from the bright star Vega. Uh, this is a great object for beginners to go after because it's not difficult um, to actually find. It's very nicely positioned um, in the constellation of Lyra between the two bright stars at the end of the harp. Um, so it's easy to star hop to, or you could just use a go-to and cheat and find it. But um, it's a it's a very fun target because even in a modest backyard, you can actually see it. Um, and it does look like a ring. Um, a UHC filter or an O3 filter will help you out to get through the light pollution a little bit more. But you could see it in something as small as like a three or four inch telescope. When you get to about a six inch telescope or 150 millimeter aperture telescope, you can get some pretty nice detail on it as well. Um, and then, of course, if you have the chance to get to a dark sky site, you get it under a really big telescope and blow the magnification up on it. You know, that's when you can start to try and see the central star of the ring, um, which is a bit of a challenge. The central star is about 15, 15, 5 uh, as far as the magnitude goes. So it is a faint, faint uh, dwarf star um, uh, in there. So it's a fun challenge to go after um, in an object that is fairly easy to find. Now, imaging-wise, you can do it from in town. It is a very small target. Um, and if you are imaging this, it's very easy to blow the ring nebula out because it's a planetary, a very small, dense planetary, and you can overexpose it very quickly. Now, the ring is a bit tricky as far as imaging goes because, again, it's a planetary. You can blow the core out, but it also has an outer, very detailed outer halo, which you can't see in the picture I'm showing at the moment, that is easily brought out with a hydrogen alpha filter um, for imaging purposes. But you have to get crafty because you have to do long exposure work to bring out the halo, but short exposures to make sure you don't blow out the ring. So that's where you're going to be working with your post-processing to really uh, dig deep on the ring nebula um, and not completely just overdrive it. Um, it does do well with narrowband filters, um, but it's a fun little one to actually mess around with. Uh, but it is small. So a lot of us that have these shorter focal length optics, it's going to be fairly tiny. Um, I'd probably say you'd want at least about 800 millimeters to start. And even that's small because you're probably going to be cropping uh, in your image. But, you know, if you've got a, one of these new sensors like the 2600 or 6200 based cameras um, that are out on the market and you've got that matched up to like one arc second or so per pixel, you can really get a good image off of it um, and probably blow that up a little bit to get a nice shot of the ring nebula. But that's a fun one to go after. It's very easy to find. Um, it's good in small telescopes. It's amazing in big telescopes. Um, but yeah, go out, try and find it. It's a fun one to just go after this time of year because it's easy to find. Now, M13 is another good one. It's a the Hercules star cluster. This is up in Hercules, uh, about 25,000 light years away. This is a globular cluster, so it's pretty forgiving both visually and imaging, and it's one of the brightest and easiest to find um, right now. And the advantage of the Hercules cluster is it's a good one in almost any telescope. You can usually see it in like 50 millimeter binoculars. You can catch it from an average backyard in literally any size telescope. 
Um, but it, it gets more and more impressive as the aperture goes up and the darker the skies get. Um, it's a really fantastic uh, cluster. Imaging-wise, globular clusters are extremely forgiving. You can do them in town. Um, they do well with gradients because you don't have a lot of little faint stuff to deal with. Um, and you don't need to really do deep, long exposures. Um, so yeah, the, the Hercules cluster is a fantastic object to go after for pretty much any application at this time of year. Now, the one thing that I would probably recommend on here is actually looking close, especially if you're observing, it comes out a lot easier, is uh, the propeller. The propeller is this little dark three-veined region um, inside the cluster itself. Um, so this is a good one to go after, um, honestly, anytime with any size telescope. So give it a go. It's a fun one um, and easy to find. Um, of course, now we have the Lagoon Nebula. Um, uh, this is in Sagittarius, one of the easiest objects. It's kind of the M42 of the summer Milky Way. Um, it's big, it's bright, it's easy to shoot, it's easy to see. Um, you can get nebulosity in town in almost any size telescope. Um, the use of a UHC or O3 filter plenty of detail in there and of course the bigger the telescope and the more light you get the more impressive the nebula becomes uh imaging again it's extremely forgiving you can do it in town um you can do it out of town you can do it with narrowband filters it's just big bright and detailed um but m8 the uh the lagoon is a fantastic nebula to go after right now because it's there's so much you can see and do with it, and it's not a terribly difficult object to actually go after um, at all. So give that a go. Now, next door to M8, we have M20, the Trifid Nebula. And M20 is a bit more difficult. Um, it's much more dynamic. Uh, 5,200 light years away. Um, it is fairly difficult to do in town. Even in dark skies, it gets a little challenging um, because it's nowhere near as bright as the lagoon is. And it does take a little bit more aperture to bring out some of the detail in there than one might think. Um, you can see it in smaller telescopes, especially in a dark sky. If you're using some filters like a UHC or O3, it'll definitely help pop out the main pink structure. Um, imaging, it's a very easy, forgiving target. Um, it can do well with narrowband filters, at least the uh, the emission point, uh, emission part of the nebula, which is the pink portion. The reflection nebula is a reflection nebula. It no filters help with that. So, and then of course you have the dark nebulas that run through it. So you actually have three types of nebulas in one target, which is why I like the Trifid quite a bit. And then if you want to get really crafty, um, do a mosaic and put them both together. So this was a mosaic we shot with our remote uh, Spree 150 and the 6200 uh, camera. Um, turns out really well, but yeah, that that is uh, the M8 and the M20 nebulas uh, all together. So the Lagoon and the Trifid Nebula, great set of objects to go after right now. It is getting a little late. I know someone made that comment, um, but they are still up there. They're still viable um, in the e early evening hours. Um, but we're still in that summer time uh, to be able to go out and get them. 
Uh, next one is M27, the Dumbbell. This is up in Volpeca, which is not terribly far from Cygnus the Swan. Uh, 9,800 light years away. It's a very cool planetary nebula. It's also one that's fairly easy in almost any aperture. Um, you can do it from town. It looks more like an apple core. They call it a dumbbell, but I think it's more of an apple core. Um, again, this one benefits quite quite a lot from a UHC or an O3 filter um, for visual work. Um, it actually works pretty well in like a 10-inch, 250-millimeter aperture telescope. So if you've got like an 8 or 10-inch Dobsonian um it's a great target to go after, and obviously the bigger the telescope, the the more rich the view becomes, but um, very fun object to go after. Imaging-wise, it's bigger than the Ring Nebula, so it's easier to get. It does have these really interesting wings, which you can just start to see out here. Uh, if you're doing narrowband, using like an O3 filter or something, a narrowband filter will definitely help bring out the, the wings of uh, M27, but... Uh, it's a great object to do in visual light, like you can see here. But it's also a great narrowband object or even a bicolor uh, where it's just H-alpha and O3. You can take some very, very nice images. Um, but uh, the Dumbbell Nebula is a very good one to go after either in town or in a dark sky site. And it's also a good one for actually doing narrowband imaging with if you need to do so. And it's bigger than the Ring Nebula, so you don't have to, like, crop in as much. So that's a fun one right now as well. Uh, the Veil Nebula, my personal favorite. This is in Cygnus the Swan. This is a big chunk of sky, uh, over three degrees. Um, this does require very dark skies for visual work. However, it's highly recommended to get out and check it out. At least a four-inch telescope. You can actually get it if you've got a um, short wide field telescope you can get like a really wide field eyepiece you can get all three degrees of the veil it looks like a pair of parentheses floating out there make sure you use like an o3 or a uhc works too but o3s i find are better to pop out that parentheses look but as you get to bigger telescopes and some serious aperture the detail that you can actually see inside the supernova remnant is amazing but you're gonna have to take it in sections because it spans over three degrees of the nighttime sky it's a huge target um, oxygen 3 filters or UHC will be fine but again O3 is a little bit better imaging you can do it from town dark skies help it is a good bicolor narrowband target so if you're doing H alpha O3 there's a lot of good detail up in there um, if you're doing one-shot color or if you're doing color images, um, make sure you don't clip the black point when you're processing. A lot of people will do that. They will take the blacks in the back of the image and make them black. But what I found by shooting this object is there's a ton of dust in this region. As you can see, like down here, we have a lot of like brownish goldish dust that's in there and if you clip the black point too much you ruin it and you lose a lot of that detail so um, space isn't going to be black all the time let your data kind of show you what's there but don't feel like you have to take the back and make it as black as possible make sure you're paying attention to any subtle details and changes in the way the colors look in the background um, and how rich the black is as opposed to maybe looking more muted 
because if it's going to be muted then you know there's some dust clouds in there and that adds to your image you don't want to get rid of them but if you go ahead and just clip all that stuff to black you'll completely get rid of that little fine detail that's inside of those nebulas now uh, let's get to the target of the month uh, first up is the nightscape division um, nightscape it's really just the milky way um, right now particularly if you're going to be doing that go for the core um, you have Roofiuchus, you have the blue horse head up here and all that nice uh, dark nebula up there. Um, that would be my recommendation nightscape wise for the target of the month. Make sure you've got maybe like a tracker, get to some dark skies, use like a really wide angle lens and just go after the Milky Way. Um, that's really what it's all about right now for uh, nightscapes. Uh, for binoculars, what I would actually recommend going after is probably m8 um and maybe the trifid if you have big enough binoculars and you're in dark skies but m8 you should actually be able to get to some extent um again this is down in the sagittarius core region um but you should be able to see some kind of faint glow at least the star cluster that resides in it um but m8 is a good one to go after for binoculars that would be my uh, target of the month if you have binoculars to go after that um and if you're in dark skies try to try to pull out the Trifid Nebula next door if you can, um, but good luck with that. Now for telescopes, my target of the month is actually going to be M20, the Trifid. Um, reason being, like I said earlier, the Trifid's a bit of a challenge. Um, it may be bright and easy to see with a camera, but it's a lot more difficult to actually see, especially when we're talking about the nice dark structures um, in the emission nebula portion of the uh, nebula try going out there and seeing that in your telescope um, again if you really have like an 8 inch and larger telescope that's better if you have access to something that's like a 15 inch or better there you go um, dark skies of course are a big help um, definitely with like a O3 or a UHC um, will kind of help a UHC will actually probably pop this out better than an O3 because it is an emission nebula target so you want to get something that has like an H beta uh, pass where uh, so like a UHC would probably be a better uh, setup than an O3 it's just different wavelengths of light at that point all right so I told you we had a final announcement to actually do um, at the end of this. And we actually brought this up last month. And uh, we were amazingly able to pull this all together in like four weeks. So we're actually excited to announce a new program um, that's going to be coming out um, a monthly setup. Uh, so I would like to introduce you to Totem. So Totem is a new project we're going to be doing here on the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. Um, this is the official Totem logo. Um, and this is target of the month. Now, let me tell you a little bit about how this actually works. Um, so Totem rules. Um, unfortunately, it's imaging only because we need to have some reference that you were able to get the target. Um, so target of the month is an imaging challenge um, we will give you a target we will have shot the target we will show you an image of the target and then it's up to you to go out shoot the target and provide us the image and then you get something cool from it so here are the rules for totem um, imaging only 
you must be able to provide an image by the end of the month for that target. So we're announcing today the first target on August 5th. You have till the end of August to send in your submission and you get something cool. Um, once you have your image, you're going to email that to info at skywatcherusa.com. Maybe that will change to maybe we'll do like a totem email instead. But right now we're going to do info at Skywatcher. Um, uh, USA.com to submit your images. If anything changes, I will change the rules. But right now you're, you set that into info at skywatchusa.com. Um, you must provide the following information. You need to have your name, the equipment used, image specifications, exposure times, filters. We want to know all the cool details that you just burnt through to get your shot. The mailing address and we're only doing it in the US and Canada right now. So that's that. Those are the rules of Totem. Um, so what do you get? So we had talked about this last month when we were kind of with you guys, when we were kind of talking about how we're gonna do it. Um, we, we, we did wanna do like a lapel pin or something like that. And I know not everybody's into something like a pin. Um, some of you said a sticker. We wanted to do something better than a sticker. Um, some of you said shirts. The problem with shirts is that we'd have to stock all different kinds of sizes and everyone's different and it just didn't make a lot of sense. So what you actually get is an official totem patch. Um, let me try to focus this for you guys real quick. Hold on. Usually I don't mess with it. So here is the official totem patches. So this is a three inch patch that we had made. Um, they are adhesive on the back, uh, but you can sew it on if you want. So uh, these are made, ready to go for this month. Um, the patch will remain the same for the year. And then at the end of, and then 2023 we'll have a new patch. So you can basically submit um, an image every month if you wanted to get a totem patch um, but you are going to get the same patch for all 12 months of the year but if you shoot one object every year the patches will change every year at least that's the plan for right now so this is the this is the 2022 totem patch um, and they are available and ready to go uh, right now I've got the whole stack of them right here um, if we need to get more, we'll get more, but um, that's kind of what we're doing right there. We thought it would be kind of cool. Like I said, um, they're three-inch patches. They're adhesive on the back. You could sew them on if you want, but um, yeah, so that's they look pretty cool. Um, so what you do there is uh, if you want to get one, I mean, you just have to follow these rules. You have to get the target that we're going to give you. Email your image into info at skywatchusa.com. We might want to use your image for marketing if it's a really cool shot. Um, name, equipment use, image specifications, mailing address so I can send you a patch. Um, and then it's only US and Canada right now. Sorry, but that's how we do things. So um, this is an imaging challenge and I do like really odd, obscure things. And it has to be a challenge for some way, shape or form. So we're going to make sure it's a challenge. So uh, your totem target of uh, for August 2022 is the Soap Bubble Nebula. 
Um, and the soap bubble is actually up in Cygnus. It's right next to the Crescent Nebula, NGC 6888. Um, but what it is is a very faint little planetary nebula um, just off of the Crescent Nebula. Now, um, I'm not going to probably take some big old pretty picture of these targets. They're probably just going to be monochrome images like you see here. Um, but they are going to be targets that in some way are challenging to do. Um, and we'll adjust accordingly if we need to. So August 2022 is the Soap Bubble Nebula. It's up in Cygnus. Uh, there's plenty of documented information if you need to go find it. It's right off of the Crescent Nebula. NGC 6888 is the nearest target to it. Um, it is a very nicely positioned planetary nebula for the northern hemisphere. Um, because it's a planetary nebula, it's very heavy on the oxygen three. Um, right here is four hours of O3 data um, from our remote observatory. Uh, this is a three nanometer O3 shot, um, but it is a challenge of a target to do. Uh, but it does well with narrow band. So H alpha O3 bicolor images work really well. And that's why, while it is a uh, challenge to do it, it's a pretty, it's an object you could actually do from home if you needed to because of the narrow band capability of it. So that is the totem target for August 2022. Um, you have the end till the end of August to submit your images to info at skywatcherusa.com. It does need to be a new image. Don't send us an old image that you just happen to have data for. So go out, try it out. Um, and once you submit that, Submit that to info at skywatchusa.com. We should probably get a web page up for it. We'll talk about that. Um, but good luck to you. And uh, if you submit it, we get all your information. You will get uh, a totem, a totem patch sent to you. So um, good luck to everybody on that. We're excited, but we were able to pull that together and get the patches made in like four weeks. It was nuts. But um, we hope you guys enjoy. It's just kind of something fun to be fun and interactive with. Um, but if you like what you see here at Inf uh, the What's Up webcast, again, as you can see, we're always trying to make it better. We're trying to make it more interactive and fun. Um, we appreciate everyone who's hung out with us uh, this entire time. Um, and we are constantly trying to get make this even better and better. So if you like what you see here, please go ahead and subscribe. Leave a like on a video. Let's us know we're doing a good job. If you have any questions, email us at info at skywatcherusa.com. Title it What's Up if you've got an idea for a What's Up webcast. Um, and next week we're talking about Altaz and equatorial mounts that we actually, uh, make. So we'll be talking about our AZ EQ5 and AZ EQ6, um, mounts. So that'll be our equipment talk for the month. Um, uh, but if you have any questions, now's the time to ask for this episode, cause I'm about to wrap all of it up. Um, again, if you have any questions on the soul event, please go check it out at focusastro.org slash soul. Um, and we'll be posting more about that. Uh, good luck to everybody on the first chance to get the totem patches. Uh, the 2022 patches, there's only a few months in 2022. So there's not going to be many of these 2022 patches floating around. Um, and then we'll probably do something cool for 2023, the new edition of the patch. Um, uh, let's see. Comment of totem. We should... We should have to provide one of the subs so that it's proof of the photo and date exposure. To yes, it's not a bad idea. So not only that's a good rule. 
So not only do you provide us the inf the processed image, it would be great if you could also send us in with a raw sub, so a raw fit file, so we know that it was taken on the date and the time um, at that point. Uh, let's see, there's some other questions popping up in here. We'll have to do a web page that kind of talks about the rules of Totem, but um, thanks for the ideas. Um, and yeah, we will try to adapt that. Um, can you guys make an <laughs> can you guys make an ad at type walking system for an EQ6R Pro? It's a pain moving that thing around. Uh, I will talk. Uh, I will talk to the uh, emperor of the Skywatcher Galaxy, and we will see if we can figure out an ad at walking system. That's a pretty good one. Um, make a list of other astro interest places in the area for the solar event. Uh, okay. I'll see what I can do on that. Um, cool. Well, anyway, that's it for this week. Um, if you guys have any questions, please go ahead and email us at info at skywatchusa.com. We appreciate you hanging out. Good luck to all of you who are going to go after the totem target. Again, it's the soap bubble. Um, you have till the end of August to provide that. And, uh, we will get that out to you as soon as we get your submission on it. So good luck on it. Do good work on it. Looking forward to see what you guys do. And we will, guys, bleh, we will see you next Friday um, right here at 10 a.m. Pacific at the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. So thanks up, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Bye.